Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, August 8, 2023. Matt Ho, one of our regular military contributors, joins us now. Uh, Matt, it's always a pleasure, and thank you for, uh, for joining. In retrospect, do you think maybe it was a mistake on the part of President Putin to have engaged in such incrementalism in the manner in which uh, he fought the war rather or, or initiated the war rather than going in uh, full blast and just taking control of the uh, territory to which he believes Russia has a rightful claim. Uh, first, thanks for having me back on, Judge. It's good to see you. Sure. Um, I, you know, I, I'm on record as saying I'm opposed to the, the, the Russian invasion. I believe that they should have tried other options, other means, pursued diplomatic, economic actions. But the idea of launching a, a war, uh, an invasion of war of aggression is to me something a line that I just won't cross because of my own involvement in our wars of aggression. So I try and keep that principle. However, I don't know if Russia had it's trying to look at this objectively then, though. No. Right. Uh, right. Look at it objectively as a as a person of, of great military experience. Um, I don't know if Russia had the wherewithal to have uh, subjugated Ukraine entirely in February 22, March 22. Uh, I don't know if they had the resources, the logistics, the combat capability, et cetera, to have done a uh, World War II style subjugation of Kiev and into Western Ukraine. Um, I think if they had- well, did, did, that, they have the, did they have the wherewithal to capture the Donbass, the areas that Putin has articulated are ethnic, ethnically, historically, culturally, and linguistically, in his view, Russian. Yes, and they've done, I, I think they've achieved most of their limited territorial objectives. So I think his incrementalism has been smart because he has achieved his goals. I also think what was smart, too, was that even though uh, he launched this invasion, it was also coupled with diplomatic efforts. So when the invasion happens in February 22, it forces the Ukrainians to the negotiating table. This is something that's well documented. It was discussed at the time, reported on by Reuters, the BBC, Financial Times. It's completely ignored now. It's, it, it's basically been uh, uh, ripped out of our history books that these negotiations took place. But they did. And the Russians and the Ukrainians 
got to a point where they had a draft agreement, a 15-point draft agreement in March uh, via their talks that first began in Belarus and then continued in Istanbul. Wait, what, uh, what, year, were, what year is this, Matt? This is in 22. This is, this is uh, not even 18 months ago, Judge, right? So I think what he did and what showed a certain degree of finesse and a certain degree of smarts that in the U.S. and in the West, we have not been willing to apply to Vladimir Putin and the Russians. And this is, of course, one of the reasons why the U.S., the West and NATO's efforts in Ukraine have been so uh, uh, have fallen so short is because we haven't had proper respect for an adversary. It doesn't mean you have to like them. doesn't mean you have to agree with them. doesn't that mean that you're cheerleading for them that you're, or you're some type of apologist for them. It means that you understand and respect them. You, you're you're, you're uh, not just uh, using strategic empathy, uh, but you're also putting, you're also doing uh, um, what literally every military uh, uh, guru, for lack of a better term, throughout the centuries has said to do. It's one of the first things that you're taught as a young Marine or Army officer is to put yourself in the shoes of the enemy. So if you build a defense, the first thing you're supposed to do is go out and look at your position from the perspective of the enemy. How right. would you attack your own position, right? I mean, and this is something that has been one of the, the uh, harbingers why you why it was predictable that the Ukrainian counteroffensive was going to fail, why the NATO efforts, the U.S. efforts in Ukraine were going to fail, why the economic sanctions were not going to force a Russian collapse, because the Americans, the Europeans uh, just simply refused to respectfully apply any type of wisdom, intelligence or evidence based thought process to their actions in Ukraine. You, you are you are being uh... Uh, candid, intellectually honest, and charitable. Why do I say charitable? Because your colleagues, former intelligence and former military who come on the show, say it's because the CIA told Joe Biden what they thought he wanted to hear rather than the, uh, the, the facts and reality that agents on the ground were delivering up to their bosses. So have those who made the decisions in Intel in the Pentagon, in the West Wing, and in the Oval Office, been deluded by the political process through which intelligence information goes. Russia's weak, Ukraine is strong, this thing isn't going to last long, we'll look like heroes. I, I think it's a mixture of both, a mixture of both. Look, when I resigned from Afghanistan in 2000, my position with the State Department in Afghanistan in 2009, I had to go and I had to be interviewed by the President's Intelligence Advisory Board, which at that point was led by Chuck Hagel and David Boren, who were both had been previous uh, chairs of the Sound Senate Intelligence Committee and were now at universities. Hagel at Georgetown, Boren at Oklahoma. Both, both moderate senators, one a moderate Correct. Democrat, the other a moderate Republican. Correct. And what they said to me, why they brought me in, why I had to give this testimony was they said, you know what, we're looking at what you're saying about Afghanistan. We're hearing what all these captains and majors and colonels who are coming through our universities are saying about this war. And we're seeing that it just simply does not match up with what's going on the president's desk. And I think that's been a case for, for generations now. Of course, I'm with the Eisenhower Media Network, so I want to drop an Eisenhower quote. But according to Susan Eisenhower, uh, President Eisenhower's granddaughter, Eisenhower sat in the Oval Office and said, I pray to God to help this country 
if one day a man sits in this chair who doesn't understand the military like I do. And what he's talking about is not the need to be a, a strategic thinker, not to have military experience, not to understand logistics, but to understand that the generals and admirals always lie. And Kennedy understood that as well. JFK understood that as well. And that's the case here. The question is, is that if that's the case and Joe Biden is not receiving the information that he needs to make sane and smart and honest decisions, well, Biden's been doing this for a very long time. He has to know they're lying to him. And I've had a lot of experience on the Hill. And I can tell you that one time I was in with the ranking member of the House Armed Services Committee. And he said to me and my colleagues, I know the generals come in here and lie to us all the time, but there's nothing we can do about it. And you hear about this over and over and over again from members of Congress who don't believe in the war policies of the United States. They don't believe in the American wars, whether the direct wars or the proxy wars, but they're too afraid to say anything otherwise. They're too afraid to go against the grain. They, they need to go along to get, go along and get along. All right. And, so they right, teach, they, they teach young Marine uh, and army officers, young second lieutenants to look at their own defenses from the perspective of the enemy. Do they teach them to tell the truth? Do they <laughs> teach them that it's morally reprehensible to lie to a military superior or to a civilian commander? Yeah, you have this issue. You have this uh, uh, reality that the United States military has a culture of lying. And this is not Matt Ho who is saying this. This is coming from research uh, and studies put out by institutions like West Point and the Army War College, which have said that explicitly. The United States military has a culture of lying. It's big even, even, even in private. I don't mean the rank of private, even in a private conversation with the president of the United States in the Oval Office. And the lie will be to make him feel good, to make him look good, to reinforce his preconceived notions or to make the speaker and his branch look good. I Have think it, right? it, it gets interconnected. Right. So the the benefits to the individual, the benefits to the institution, the benefits to uh, the man in the Oval Office, et cetera, the political party in charge, they're all interconnected and they all feed off of each other. And then, of course, as we talked about last time I was on your show, right, the military industrial conflicts, what's the benefit to that general or admiral when they retire? Right, right. right? right. Are they going to be a yes man? Are they going to be a sycophant? Are they going to get onto that board of directors at Lockheed and or Raytheon and then start to make really good money? And the really insidious, gross thing about this judge is that when you talk to some of these people about this, they feel like that's what's owed them. They feel they deserve that big money, mm -hmm. right? They so, feel it's, it's their turn. I put, you know, so this idea somehow military service as service is just such a, a fake and fraudulent concept as it's carried out by the senior leadership within the Pentagon. And I would imagine that at the faculty at West Point, we're listening to you now and then commenting privately on what you were saying, they'd all agree. They, they would agree. They would agree. And, and again, you can go and you can, it's not just West Point, but the Army War College and other institutions have noted this, have put out papers about the willingness, the, 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 the way that lying, the mendacity uh, 
is the foundation for how the U.S. military operates. And whether this is about whether a weapon system is going to work, right, whether the F-35 is going to cost almost $2 trillion when all is said and done is ever actually going to be able to fly a mission, right, right. whether or not right. the, the new $15 billion aircraft carriers will ever be able to launch a plane, whether it's about the weapons purchases, whether it's about how well the wars are going, whether or not these wars are continuing to be worth fighting, whether there's any chance or if it's well, whether, whether it's Whether it's the military evaluation of how the war is going to turn out. I mean, remember this, they're blaming the the uh, document release only in this one kid, Jack Teixeira, the National Guardsman from uh, Massachusetts. There were probably others involved senior to him, but whatever. The documents made it unambiguously clear that the Pentagon was of the view uh, that Ukraine would have no air defenses by June and couldn't survive uh, much longer. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. That document was prepared in the Office of the Joint Chiefs of Staff for the Secretary of Defense. The Secretary of Defense is uh, a former member of the board of Raytheon and before that retired as a four-star general. You get the picture. You know what I'm talking about. Two weeks before the document came out and after he saw the document, he testified under oath to Senator Roger Wicker interrogating him on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee or Armed Services Committee, I think it was, and said Ukraine is going to win. That should be prosecuted. That's lying under oath. That's misleading Congress. And that's doing so in an environment where as a result of those lies, human beings, Russian boys and Ukrainian boys will die. Right. Right. You've seen that. You've seen where you now have uh, repeated media for the last couple of weeks saying how this Ukrainian offensive, which was supposed to be the end of the Russia, uh, Russia's occupation of Ukraine, uh, is shown to be exactly what many of us thought it was going to be, uh, uh, just a great sacrifice of life. Uh, for nothing more than for people to espouse talking points. You know, again, this is nothing new. You know, our our, our friend Dan Ellsberg, who we lost uh, a couple months ago, uh, you know, the great Dan Ellsberg, you know, he talks about, he always talked about being on that airplane with Robert McNamara and Ellsberg had spent all this time in Vietnam and he's on this plane briefing Robert, Robert McNamara, the Secretary of Defense at the time, and just saying how this war is futile, this war cannot be won, how badly it's going. And McNamara saying in agreement, understanding, right? Cognitively getting that. And then as soon as he steps off the plane, the reporters are all there, 
The war is going well. Progress is at hand. We're winning. I mean, this this is the story we saw all throughout our wars one, in Iraq and Afghanistan. One of your every- colleagues uh, on this show, career CIA Phil Giraldi, uh, who will be on with us tomorrow, uh, famously told George W. Bush in the Oval Office, Saddam Hussein does not have any weapons of mass destruction. That is an absolute truth. George W. Bush threw him out and two days later announced to the country that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. I'm assuming somebody else spoke to President Bush who was not as honest as Phil Giraldi, and the president was basing what he believed to be true on that lie. Correct, correct. I mean, and that's the, that's the history of the Iraq war. is a war that was just completely built upon a, a sandcastle of a lie. Uh, it, the, the house of cards of that war was the first layer was the lies that created it and, and then enabled it and then sustained it. And the same with the war in Afghanistan as well, particularly once you get into the surge where you have President Obama putting in a quarter million man army, 100,000 U.S. troops, 40,000 NATO troops, 100,000 contractors into the Hindu Kush, the graveyard of empires. And so let alone the historical evidence that this war wasn't going to work, but pretty much Everyone you talk to in confidence. Look, when I resigned and the Washington Post made a big deal about my resignation, and I was a front page above the fold, like 3,000 word piece on me. I said to the reporter, I said to Karen DeYoung, who wrote the story, why did you write this story? And she said, because everyone I talked to at the Pentagon, at the CIA, at the State Department, the NSC, et cetera, they all agreed you agreed with you. They all agreed that the war could not be won. But they all go along with it, right? They all go along with it because it's best for them. And, and in his current iteration, what you see is you see thousands upon thousands of young Ukrainians and their families shattered for a lie, for a lie, basically. You uh, and I have both publicly referred to the powers that be in Congress as the War Party, mm-hmm. which is about 95% of all members. Uh, of both houses of Congress. Does the war party understand that the military to which they give $860 billion a year that they've extracted from us is lying to them? I think they do. I think they do. And for the most part, they don't care because it's good politics for them, right? They, they, They believe that particularly if you can wrap yourself in the bloody flag, Right. It's an allusion back to the civil, the post-Civil War period. But I, I think that's the case. I think that you have uh, either a vapid embrace of the military where they don't want to know. They just want the political good things that come from standing on a, on a dais or on a stage with a bunch of men and women in uniform. They like that image. And that's what, all that matters to them. But then, too, you take into the military industrial complex aspects of it. Right. And the money that they're bringing in, the good things that being a uh, faithful enabler, a faithful supporter, a faithful benefactor of the military industrial complex can bring to a politician. So absolutely. I think most of them have uh, very little interest in the truth. They're only concerned about what is best for them and for their immediate political futures. Why do you think that uh, Washington uh, has not pushed for any negotiation. Why, why is the Biden administration afraid to say to uh, Putin and, um, and Zelensky, uh, send your emissaries 
to meet Tony Blinken in Geneva uh, and let's have a ceasefire while they talk. Right. Why hasn't Joe Biden, uh, the most powerful man in the world, gotten on a plane and banged Putin and Zelensky's heads together? Right. I mean, Correct. Correct. Isn't, that, isn't instead, that what we elected this man instead, for? Instead, right? he mumbles and bumbles and fumbles. Right. Putin I, I, has I, lost. Russia has lost. Putin can't win. He's already lost. Right. I, I think it's because it, for the main, mainly it's domestic political politics. I think they're so afraid of being called weak, of being being attacked by the Republicans as not being strong enough. I think there's a lot of, again, goes back to the military industrial complex. There's the money involved. There's the Megalia mania. It goes back to, back to JFK's, uh, JFK's American University speech in June of 63, for which he arguably was murdered. Right. Right. Yeah. And, he, and in that speech, to paraphrase, he says how the pursuit of peace is not as dramatic as the pursuit of war. Right. And certainly right. if you turn on the television, turn on Netflix, there aren't many peace TV shows. There aren't that many peace <laughs> movies out there. Right. And so right. there is that that aspect is a very real aspect of this is that war. They think war is good politics. Now, the reality in this show is one of the fundamental inanities of our political system is that almost every war that the U.S. gets into, sure, high popular public opinion, high popular support prior to uh, or the beginning of the war, but within a year or two, that fades. And we're seeing that where CNN last week had a poll, a very important poll that shows that majority of Americans no longer favor giving aid to Ukraine. A majority ah, of Americans... Might, might, uh, Joe Biden and Mrs. Pelosi took care of that. Right. Joe has, as you know, this he has a blank check for 113 billion. We don't even know how much of it he spent because the Pentagon keeps finding billion dollar accounting errors somewhere between 45 and 68, but he's still got another 40 or 50 billion to spend. That's plenty to spend between now and election day 2024. Well, they, they, they are running out supposedly. And the, the, the thought was that they would have already come back to ask for more money. But that's becoming politically difficult for them. They, they, you know, 55% of Americans say they do not want to see any more aid going to Ukraine. 51% right. have said we've done enough for Ukraine already. I mean, and that's a drop of about 15 percentage points yes. in the last 18 months. If it's yeah. basically that support for the Ukraine war is solely based on partisanship. It's solely based on team blue preference. My guy in the White House is telling me this. I'm going to follow it. I have no doubt. If it was a Republican in the war, war, White House prosec or, uh, prolonging this proxy war, the team red would be the same way. But so you don't even have support for a war based upon any fundamental appreciation of the war, any type of idea that this is a just war. That whole phrase is a, is a, is a, a disgusting thing anyway. However, you have it based upon partisanship. What is best? What does my team say I should support? And that's what you see in the polling right now, support. For what what would members of Congress do if you were to testify before them, uh, along with uh, Doug McGregor and Scott Ritter and Larry Johnson and Ray McGovern and Phil Giraldi, similar to what you're saying now? Uh, I'm sure they would ask us how they got we got in there. And then the other thing would be, uh, as we were sort of saying before, Judge, they, they look at us and I've had this experience. I mean, I used to be on the Hill all the time saying these sorts of things about the war in Afghanistan, the war in Libya, the war in Syria. And you would either get uh, an acceptance of it, an appreciation of it, a nodding and an agreement saying, I understand, and then, then not doing anything about it or, at, or just saying the opposite, 
or you would get them looking at us like we had three heads, right? As if we were uh, somehow space aliens who were speaking gibberish that they couldn't understand. This, this is nothing they'd ever heard before. This is complete nonsense. It's, it's, it's just, you know, uh, uh, gobbledygook to them um, because th they simply want only what's best for their uh, short-term political interests. And until that changes, until the White House says, or, or Leader McConnell says, you can change on this, they won't do it. I mean, that's how, that's how tightly controlled this war policy is. It all goes back to domestic political politics. Matt Ho, always a pleasure, my dear friend. I had a lot of other things to talk to you about, but we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it the next time. You've just presented a, a brilliant and powerful uh, argument on intellectual honesty uh, and the way the government really works. And I know that uh, my audience uh, deeply and profoundly appreciates it as much as I do. We'll see you again soon. Thanks, Judge. Okay, my friends. Uh, Judge Napolitano more as we get it. Like and subscribe if you like what you saw. Tell a friend. Tell many friends. Tell your uh, relatives. Our goal is 250,000 subscriptions by Christmas. We're up to 190 uh, or close to it uh, already. Phil Giraldi on all of this uh, tomorrow, Scott Ritter before the week is out. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.